0: Welcome to the Ambitious Introvert Podcast, created especially for introverts, empaths and highly sensitive entrepreneurs to help you build, grow and scale a successful, sustainable business. I'm your host, Emma-Louise Parks, business and mindset coach for ambitious introverts. After 17 years working as an air traffic controller, the ultimate fast-paced, high-stimulus, extrovert-friendly role, my mission now is to show introverts that they too can create big results and success because of who they are, not in spite of it. I focus on introvert-friendly business and marketing strategy to help you switch overwhelm for clarity, confidence, and clients. Hello, hello. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Ambitious Introvert. I'm Emma Louise, and today I am thrilled to be talking to one of my very good friends in the online space, Caitlin Kessler. Now, Caitlin and I connected well over a year ago now, and we were connected by our mutual friend, Emily Walker. Because Emily was sick of us both talking about human design. And she's like, I know what you're talking about, but you need to talk to Caitlin because she's always talking about this stuff too. So she connected us. We had a something like a 20-minute connection call that ran over an hour. And we then scheduled another one, which also ran over an hour. And then it became clear that we were going to be friends. So we definitely spend a lot of time voice noting the DMs. Caitlin and I have both... We're both very keen on depth. Now, obviously, it's my word of the year, but we both like to go super, super deep into things. So she is someone that gets me and someone that I can take a really philosophical thought or something that I've been pondering. And I know that she will go and give it some time and space and ponder it in the same way that I would. So She is a joy to be connected with and someone that I'm really, really grateful for to have as a friend. Now, Caitlin has her own podcast, which is solo only. So she was very keen to get outside of her comfort zone and be a guest on The Ambitious Introvert just to see what that dynamic was like as opposed to recording solo. So Caitlin's been in business a long time and we discuss her evolution of how she got started and how she got to where she is now. And also, Caitlin is not afraid to experiment with her business. So she's done some things that may seem out of the box, but actually I'm seeing more and more of now in the online space. So she was one of the first people I'd seen to make her group program 12 months because she wanted people that were committed for the long haul. She also leans heavily into the use of Voxer over having set calls, which she thinks really supports her clients and also supports her own energy as a projector. Now, we recorded this episode quite a while ago. I think it was possibly the back end of last year or even January this year. And then because I did a run of solo episodes and we had certain things to promote, This has been pushed back a little bit, but I think the conversation is still as relevant, even if you hear us referencing something that might seem like it was years ago. It was only actually a few months. So go and check out Caitlin. Go and connect with her on Instagram, where she is super active. She shares her amazing stories. And as a former graphic designer, she also shares the most beautiful grid posts. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy listening to me and Caitlin, as much as me and Caitlin enjoyed recording this for you.
1: Welcome. It's so lovely to see you. So excited to be here. I'm so excited. It's
0: going to be so good. I have recorded a few episodes of this new iteration of the podcast over the last few weeks, and it's been really great because I've had quite a few friends on and it just feels different. It's just like a different kind of conversation. And I... You know, I interviewed Jordan Shanda King and we voxer every day. Mm. And I was like, I feel like people are just listening to, this is just what how we talk on voxer. Like this right. is this is what business owners are, are talking about on voxer. And I feel like that's similar with us because we can have like a day where we can really intensely voice notes and we've got like yeah. all of this stuff to say. And then maybe we're not in touch for like a few weeks and that's fine. And then we can just like pick up the conversation. And yeah. it's always very random. <laughs>
1: this, but it's also all kind of always about human design somewhere in there <laughs> yeah I, I
0: would be amazed if we could get through this without human design but <laughs> but we'll we'll see if we can last 10 minutes maybe yes yes but i um yeah i shared in the intro for people like how we connected and all of that beautifulness but can you tell us or tell us tell me and my yeah. listeners A little Mm -hmm. bit about how you got into business in the first place and, you know, like various iterations and like how you ended up where you are now. Sure. Yes.
1: Okay. So, well, I was born, I'm just kidding. I won't go back that far. I was fresh out of college doing design work, stayed in my college town, which was a great town. And was just like, I guess I'll just figure this out until like something happens. But I didn't really know what was going to happen. Like, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have like a big goal of what I thought I wanted to do with my life or anything like that. And my sister approached me and was like, I want to start an Etsy shop. She wanted to make like wedding things, like wedding table numbers and whatnot. And she needed like my design help, but she was going to like, you know, print it out on her like, whatever those like crycut, cricket, whatever those machines are that like make the vinyl stickers and like put it on a piece of wood because it was like burlap and mason jar kind of like those <laughs> sort of weddings, you know? And so anyway, so I helped with that. And in that I was like, well, I think we should have a blog component. And the blog was very random. It was very, very, very random. It was not about what we were doing at all. It was just like, I like this. So I'm going to write a blog post about it. And somewhere in that rabbit hole exploration, I like stumbled across people like selling design work, like doing branding and things like that online. And I was like, what is this? What do you, what, <laughs> what's going on here? I'm very confused. And I was immediately enamored and immediately was like, the, the Etsy shop had been really successful but it wasn't sustainable. And my sister was already kind of burnt out on it. And I was like, can I just basically take this over and do design work? And I started a design business maybe like six months after the Etsy shop. And the first year was a challenge. I had no idea what I was doing. And then I kind of got my footing and sort of started making a name for myself in the space and for, you know, the kind of services and things that I offered. And it just really, it blew up. I mean, between kind of the end of 2015, like 2018, I just, it was, I was working a lot and I was getting a lot of clients and I was making the most money I'd ever made. And I really felt like I had just figured out my life path or whatever. (laughs) I'd had a bunch of like life upheavals and that, and that was great. And then I found coaching kind of accidentally. And I was like, Oh wait, this is great. (laughs) Like, that's good. I love that. I'm good at that. It's a great creative outlet. You know, it's, it's work that I, you know, like zone of, of good or whatever. Right. And then I kind of found coaching on a whim. I, I wanted to learn more self-coaching techniques. Like I was interested in just for my own skills and, you know, personal development kind of journey and then started like you know practicing with other people in the certification and da, da 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 and I was like oh my goodness I <laughs> and, and I just dove in even though that was not really I I think I had kind of been like a little bit like coaching beforehand and then I was just like oh my gosh I love this and now we're here
0: <laughs> I love it I it's so funny that response because coaching is not for everyone and I think in the kind of online bubble that was created people are like oh i'll become a coach and i can make loads of money and it's really easy and i only work for 20 minutes a day or whatever like people are selling (laughs) and you know i've had clients that have done coaching and then they're like oh coaching's hard like i don't want to do so different it's so different and then i have other clients and myself who are just like i could coach all day
1: i love i love coaching yeah I think it's different comparing it to like the design business, like working, working an eight hour day in the design business versus, I mean, I don't actually ever work eight hour days. So I'm just kind of making this up, but like working an eight hour day in the design business versus like working, you know, an eight hour day in the coaching business. I think it like pulls different things from me. Like I can do, I can do something with design and it's not like mentally taxing at all. Like I'm like, I can just have music on and be in my flow and whatever with coaching there's this like this thought process around making sure that I'm I'm holding space and not bringing too much because I'm friends with a lot of my clients so like there's always this kind of line that I'm making sure that I'm you know not crossing and things like that and so I think it's a little more like mental energy for me but like how I feel afterwards is just so i mean I'll say the word successful, but we don't have to talk about human design. I feel so just like good. I feel, and after a day of designing, I'm just like, okay, cool, whatever. Like there's no, there's no like endorphins or something, you know? Like a different kind of fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. Like sometimes it's good to just sit and create, but I feel like there's like a, fulfillment's a perfect word, a sense of fulfillment after a day of coaching.
0: You know, that's so true what you said as well. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into like bashing. The coaching industry because I yeah. love the industry and thought, you know it's got some bad characters but so is every industry. This is what we have to remember. But mm-hmm. the ethics around coaching and like you say that check it in and I'm the same. You know I'm friends with a lot of clients and then it's it's that line of like we're in the capacity of a client coach during this mm-hmm. call versus what I might say to a friend and you know I go back and forth with things a lot and you know we can talk about asynchronous communication which is you know beautiful but also you know I've had periods where I'm like is Voxer bad does it create codependence Mm. you know do which it can do I think the way it's dependent on the way it's used but there's a lot of marketing around Voxer of like have a coach in your pocket available anytime and I'm like do we want that though? Or do we want people to be empowered to make their own decisions? And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think it's, I think it's really interesting, but I love that you said that, you know, about that. It's an effort to, you know, you you have to maintain a professional distance. It's not just like, hey,
1: let's get on a call and chat. Yeah. And I'm going to bring things that I'm, you know, upset about to the table too, to match, you know, It's, 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 I think that's kind of what, I mean, I've been fortunate enough that I haven't been in very many, situations where I would say I'd had not a great coach coaching me, but I do think that there, I think in my opinion, what separates like a really good coach from maybe someone who's, who's not, and it's not that they're a bad person, but maybe there's just a lack of knowledge or experience or whatever is the ability to do that, to like genuinely hold space for someone and not just be like, let's just have a bitch fest together. Cause I can do that too. Like over drinks with my friends, like that's totally fine. I can get on that level it's not my favorite place to be, but like, I can go there, but like, I don't, I'm do not go there with my clients like that. Who's that helping? Right. Yeah, totally. I was, th- I was saying to you, I had a client call before this
0: and you know, we wrapped up the call and it's a client has been with me for a long time and we're friends. And then, you know, she's like, Oh, do you have a few extra minutes? And I did. And then we had a chat as, yeah. as friends. right? But Which, it's like, yeah, the call, the call is completed. And I think it's having that, that, that boundary of, you know, right. Like we've done this and and now, now we're going to do this and that's great.
1: Yep. 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 I love it when I get on a call and a client will be like, oh, so, you know, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, good. 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 How are you? And I'm like, I'm good, but let's talk about you. <laughs> 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 Thank you for asking. That's really kind, but also this isn't about me. And, and I can be like, quote, not good and still have an amazing session with somebody. And I can be in that energy and be a coach no matter what's going on in my life, you know? Totally. I love it. So asynchronous communication. is how we
0: met. It's something that I think when you are conscious in your business and, you know, you and I are very similar, we question lots of things. So it's like, is this working? Does this work for me? Does this work for my clients? Could this be better? What could I do? How can we create flexibility? How can we create safety? Like, you know, all of these kinds of things. And I definitely, I never used to utilize something like Voxer or Basecamp in between calls with coaches. And I think part of that was I felt guilty. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to I don't want to bother them. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll just, I'll just bring it to the call. And then what I started to see like myself with clients is that some clients don't use it. Some clients don't use it because they feel bad and you know the encouragement has to be there of you can reach out if it's something's holding you up, you know, reach out. But some clients of mine now use it so much that they forget to book calls. Mm-hmm. because they get the benefit from I'm not going to say real time because I'm not sat there looking at my phone waiting for a notification but me getting back to them you know in a day or so versus having to wait a week for their call mm-hmm. that's where they get the benefit and then they can go and take action and it feels good to them and obviously with human design which of course we're going to talk about but <laughs> different people's types you know if people are emotional like I am. Maybe we talk about something on the call and they need to go in and feel into it and see if that's a good strategy for them. If they're exactly. self-projected, they might want to you know, talk something out and all of these things. So I'd love to know, like, what was it that really got you to see the benefit of this mm-hmm. communication between calls
1: or even instead of calls? Yeah. Yeah. I have similar background, like would never use the in-between stuff in my own coachee position with people that I was working with. I just, yeah, felt like I was going to bother them. Felt like I wasn't sure what to bring to the thing. Like that was always kind of difficult for me. And then at some point, I think I had joined like a, like a a small mastermind, like it wasn't very long. And I just, I was observing, I was barely using it, but I was like seeing other people use a lot. And I was like, Oh, they're just asking like, anything. And that was kind of like, you know, eye-opening. And then I started like, you know, dipping my toe in and using it more. And I started putting myself in environments where that was the predominant sort of way of communicating. And I just kind of like ripped the band-aid off, I guess, in a way. And simultaneously to all that, I had I was working with a coach who I wasn't using anything in between though it was there. And I was, I had no need for the calls. And I was like, I don't even know what to bring the call today. Da, 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 da. And I was having, I was just sort of like analyzing all of these things. Like I, I picture all of these, like sort of in a pot simmering together, all of these experiences. And, and what came of it was recognizing that like, if I feel like I don't need the calls and if I feel like it's getting easier to show up in these things, like, is that something that my clients might be experiencing too? Is that, would that be helpful for them? And I had Slack for in-between calls and it wasn't, it was, you know, some people used it, but it wasn't like, they definitely were depending on the calls because I was emphasizing the calls. And as soon as I started like emphasizing that we could communicate between calls and really like highlighting the benefits of that people started using it more. And immediately I was like, this makes so much more sense. This, like it just clicked. Like, why, why have I been pushing the calls for so long? The calls are great. I love being in the energy of the calls, but like, I don't want to wait. I don't want them to wait. I talk so much about taking up space. I talk so much about, like asking for your needs, speaking your desires. Why wouldn't I create a container where you could do that all the time? And it, it, I, I don't think there's a word for it. Maybe I should come up with a phrase, but there's something about, I mean, I guess like alignment would be the word, but like I, I want it to be more specific. There's something about this like, uh, it's gonna be really meta, but I feel like you'll get me. If If I'm trying to help people take up more space, use their voice, be more confident, Like, shouldn't that just be so woven into everything that I do and everything that I offer? Like, shouldn't that just be like, you will take up more space because you're going to have to, for us to communicate and for you to get a benefit out of this. And that'll be stretchy and hard for you. And it might feel uncomfortable for, and it does feel so uncomfortable for my clients. So we talk about coming into using Boxer and actually taking up the space, but that's like, so a meta example of what they're doing in their business anyway. I know that's a little bit like weird, but I feel like you get me. (laughs) And so it just seemed so appropriate for, for the work I was doing and the way I was supporting people for them to have this much smaller microcosm example of doing it so that I could bleed out into their business. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally makes sense because,
0: you know, and I always say this with mindset, like everyone wants to think that they can go and like pay someone thousands of dollars and have one-off session of some magical yeah. modality and it's going to like fix their mindset and you know and I'm trained in some of those modalities and some of them are very useful and helpful but it's the small day-to-day things that we do consistently over time that actually build our mindset muscle I think that is the same way and
1: I feel like it's like congruence is the word that comes congruence. to it mm, yeah because oh you did mention that word recently i'm sorry to interrupt you congruence
0: i i, I probably did it's a, it's a favorite at the moment <laughs> but but i did the same thing where i talk about clients building a bespoke business like they're not following a strategy it's like we create it bespoke for them and i was like then why aren't my coaching containers bespoke. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, I've been able to do that. Like to a degree, I can't offer like a million different things. Obviously it's within you know my energy and capacity and, and boundaries, but where I can. And one of the things I noticed is that some clients were coming to the call and they were, they were done after like 20, I, I generally do 45 minutes. They were done after 20, 25 minutes. They got what they needed and, or they're busy, you know, they're, they're fully booked and they scale in a business and they didn't need to sit on a call three times a week. So having these options of like, hey, you can have less calls or you can use your call time, like a couple of clients use it as one 90-minute intensive each month Mm -hmm. because they want to map out their strategy and and do all of that. And then they use the Slack in between for the more mindset stuff and updates Mm -hmm. and celebrating wins. Some people love to have weekly calls. They love that regularity. They want it at the same time, you know, same day, every week. And that to them creates like the safety and, and the growth. So I think it's... Yeah. For me, if I'm talking about having a bespoke business, I'm like, shouldn't I be able to offer them like a bespoke element to their support?
1: 100%. Yeah. I, I, that makes so much sense to me. And I, it's just making me think even more like congruent, such a good word. You know, if I'm asking my clients to really speak to their needs, if I'm asking my clients to get in touch with their desires, if somebody comes to me and says, I desire two calls a month, but I don't care about Boxer. We might talk a little bit about why they don't want boxer. Like if there's, I might you know do a little bit of digging to see if there's anything there. But if they're willing to come to me and state their desires, I have to celebrate that. I have to be like, that's amazing. Thank you for for speaking up and for asking for what you need here. Here's how I can work with that, or here's how I can make you know that work for me too. And I just think it's oh, it's so good. I love that.
0: Yeah. I had a client who. We, I did for a while where you could have with Slack support or without Slack support and without mm. was a slightly lower investment. And I had one client and she's a verbal processor and she just loves to talk things out. And she's like, I won't use Slack. I just want the calls. And she literally just wanted the calls and it was perfect. And she got exactly what she needed. And I had another client and she took Slack to start, but she was like, I don't want to become dependent on it. So We phased it out, I think, a couple of months before we wrapped up. So she was able to, you know, reduce her monthly investment as well and start to trust herself that like, oh yeah, like I'm, things are still working. I'm still doing the things in between. That's not to say it's bad if someone's using it every day, but it's understanding that it can serve different purposes for people at different points, right?
1: For sure. And I think it's important, you know, again, coming back to like the role of the coach, like to notice that, like I, I, I can tell how when a client's becoming you know in a way dependent on can i do this and like almost like needing permission from me and, I, and I'll I I call the elephant in the room I'm like hey like just so you know I see this kind of power dynamic thing happening here and I want you to know like I'm happy to support you and talk through this but this is up to you ultimately like you get to make the final say so here not me and I've never had that experience with a client where they weren't immediately appreciative of it appreciative of it and and it unpacked something bigger, like something else was going on and they were like falling into old patterns of just like, tell me what to do. And so it always opened up an even better conversation and coaching opportunity.
0: It's so true. I One of my clients like casually mentioned on a call that someone, you know, signed up for something during her birthday sale. We hadn't discussed that. Like she just decided to have a birthday sale and she'd run yeah. a sale and someone had bought something. And that's great. But... I think a lot of people might be like, well, shouldn't that be run by a coach? It's like, no, it shouldn't be run by a coach. If the person is confident in making their decision and running their own business and they have all of the skills to Mm -hmm. make their own decision. And that's where I think, like you say, it can be disempowering. If people are like, shall I do this sale? Or do you think I can do this? One of my clients made a huge business decision. It was, it's so funny looking back she sent me this message. She's like, I've decided this, I've done this, I've got rid of all these team members, I've done blah, blah, blah. And here are my sales projection for next, here's my sales projection for next year. This is what I've got the capacity for. And I think that I'll easily sell. And I I was almost crying because I was like, I'm so
1: proud. Yeah, that's amazing. And and that's what it is. that? I was talking to some members of my, gr- my group, like the Ease Mastermind group and one of them is is stepping into coaching and so we were having a conversation around mentorship versus coaching and kind of you know riding that line and I I consider myself someone who's like riding that line like I can switch into either but like first and foremost I consider myself a coach and so we were talking about that and I was like I think I think you're holding yourself to mentorship kind of standards like you're you're holding yourself to like you need to have all these answers for your clients and that's fine if you want to be like a mentor or a consultant or something in that role but is that what you want, or do you want to be a coach? And it's just an interesting dynamic to break down, like when you're in what role, and if you are, if you are intentionally being in, you know, different roles, or if you're strictly a coach, or if you're strictly a mentor. It's just interesting to see all those different things. But I consider, I told her, I was like, a lot of my my private clients, they're not asking me for permission to do anything. They're like reporting back, asking me like what they what I think about something that they already did or how they could think about it differently next time like we're doing a lot of that kind of work and it was really interesting because I I just don't think that had been her experience of coaching so far and so it was like a whole perspective shift on on how she could support her clients I definitely do that dance as
0: well as coach
1: versus consultant
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, you, you know fairly well I think I think marketing it is more difficult for me articulating the the differences is where I would say I'm weaker, but quite often, even in the consultant, I end up coaching, like a client will say, oh, I'm thinking of like doing this in my business. And I'll be more like asking questions to sense, check it for them, Mm -hmm. not to say like, yes, this is good or no, this is bad. Don't do it. Mm -hmm. But I'll be like, oh, so how will this work? Or tell me about that. And that gives them the opportunity, you know, to talk it through and see that they're clear. that's not me necessarily telling them what to do. That's me just asking them questions and then they go, okay, like I feel like that's that's clear
1: now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think asking questions is, is always the way to find the actual best answer because my best answer is not always my client's best answers. I'm not, I mean, I like to think that I'm very brilliant and that I have so much wisdom, but at the end of the day, like that's their business, that's their life, that's their decisions.
0: And we went this far, but you said it and I've, I've got to respond. Asking questions is in my incarnation cross. Ah,
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. So wait, that's so fun. That's, that's so what fun. I'm here for. I'm here to ask a question. That's so fun. My purpose oh. in life, which is fun.
0: And I, I like know. asking questions, so it's all good. But I truly, you know, I truly believe that everyone has their that wisdom inside them or they have their intuition and they've just been conditioned to you know, go through pros and cons or decide in, in the mind. You know, more masculine yeah. kind of patriarchal ways and having the space for someone to ask, well, how does it feel? Or what do you think? Or tell me, you know, creates that, energetically creates that space for
1: people to be able to actually go, oh, like I get to choose. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite exercises to do when people feel really stuck in that. And it's something that someone did to me maybe three or four years ago. And the thing about me is I don't like to lose. I'm not like really competitive about like sports or things that I don't know. Like, you know, I know my limits. I know I'm not an athletic person, but like Scrabble or like kind of like mind things. Like I'm very, I'm like, I don't like to lose. So anyway, this person had done this to me. They, they were just like randomly in the conversation with no lead in, with no explanation. They were just like chocolate or vanilla. And I was like, chocolate. You know, like, okay, why? And I just was like, because it's better, because it, because it mixes with peanut butter. Like I had, you know, and he kept it and every time I would answer, he was like chocolate or vanilla. Like it was never like the right answer. And I was getting very frustrated. And finally, at some point, probably 25 times after going through it, I was like chocolate. And he was like, why? And I was like, because I've, I choose chocolate. And he was like, that's the answer. Like, because you choose chocolate. That's all that matters. There's no justifying it. And so I'll do that to clients sometimes. And it's fun because they get just as frustrated as I had gotten. And they're like, oh, I, I just get to make the decision here. And I'm like, yeah, you just get to make the decision here.
0: But that in and of itself is so permission given, I think. Mm-hmm. And especially if we've come from a more corporate role, you know, I had a career where I made a lot of decisions every day uh, mm-hmm. because I decided which way airplanes go and <laughs> what speed they flew at and what level of stuff. But it's kind of different. It's not like big life changing decisions. That's more, you know, in the moment, minutiae. But for a lot of people, they, don't necessarily feel that they have that much agency over the big the big things in life it's just like oh well better do this or this is the right thing to do without really checking in so like as funny as that story is it's actually really important to own that like I just choose it because I do yeah
1: yeah It's so and, and I think about it all the time I think about it when For silly things. When we're decorating the house, when we're buying Christmas stockings for the first time, and you know, Will and I will be having, well, I like this one. Why this one? Well, why do you like that one? I'm like, because I just do like, I'm open to whatever stocking you want as well. Like we don't have to match, even though I would prefer that. (laughs) I like, I just, I just choose it. And I don't know. Sometimes I feel like maybe it's a little bit bratty, but then I'm like, that's probably just the conditioning that's telling me. I don't get to just have what I want. Like I don't get to just say that I want it because I want it, you know? That's also my defined heart. <laughs> Just to bring human design in there for a second.
0: <laughs> it is. It's really true. I like, I'm someone of a certain age who chose not to have kids. And mm. that is an unusual choice for, you know, most healthy women in the Western world. Right. So that I spent a lot, a lot, lot, a lot of time justifying it because mm-hmm. people felt like they wanted me to explain and I just knew I just didn't want kids like there's no reason I just didn't and a lot of people in my 20s were like oh you'll change your mind when you get to 30 mm-hmm. or oh you'll change your mind when you meet the right person or then it was like you'll change your mind when you get to 30 And all of these like milestones that have come and gone and I I never changed my mind but I remember a friend saying to me and she's like I genuinely think you don't because you you just go I just don't like it's there's no justification whereas mm-hmm. some people are like oh I don't want kids because they're expensive or because they need this or because I'll have to do this or because blah blah. blah.
1: Like there was no because I was just like mm-hmm. I don't want them it's so interesting and people are are disarmed by that right they're just like what do you what what like just don't we have that with Will and I've been together for almost seven years and like we're not engaged eventually we'll probably get married for like legal purposes and like tax purposes but like that's just never really been a high priority and even the other day he actually asked me do you have like a dream like an engagement scenario that you would be interested in and I was like honestly I've never thought about it (laughs) like I have I don't know I can't tell you the first thing about rings like I don't know any of that kind of stuff I just never really felt that pulled to it and all of our friends are you know in our friend group that we hang out here with locally like they were now married and things like that and there's always that conversation of like well, why don't you, why don't you want to get married? I'm like, I don't, it just doesn't really hold a lot of weight for, I don't, I just don't. Like, I mean, maybe I'll change my mind, but I just don't. I just don't. And it's like, they can't understand it. They're like, well, what's wrong with your relationship? Like, actually, I think that will not have an incredibly healthy relationship. Would you like me to tell me, tell, would you like me to tell you what I think might be not healthy in yours? But I don't say that. I keep that to myself, but I'm like, no, I, I just don't. I just don't. You just choose. don't. Exactly.
0: Yeah. That, and that in and of itself is an answer. It's like that, you know, the whole meme about like, no is a complete sentence. Yeah. It yeah. is. And I just don't, or because that's what I choose is completely okay as well. And a lot of people won't get it. And especially if that's someone's life path, right? If someone's grown up being desperate to get married and have kids, and that is, that fulfills them. And that's, you know, that to them is success and it makes them like joyfully happy, which is wonderful. Yeah. But they, can't understand why people wouldn't want that. But, yeah, you know, it's that not judging, but just going like,
1: that is great for you, but it's not for me. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And I think, you know, applying that to business, like when you say something like, I don't know, I mean, I haven't actually said this, so this is just an example, but like, I'm not going to have any calls. I'm just going to do everything over Voxer. Well, why? I like Voxer better. Like, can that could that be, I think it's more supportive to my clients. I just want to do Voxer. <laughs> like could that be enough of a reason or I'm not going to use Instagram or any insert any kind of business decision in there? Could it just be because that's what you want to do in your business and it's your business? And there might be obviously like some trade-offs to that, but like, can that just be your decision? Absolutely. And the same with growth
0: as in growth for the sake of growth, because people have you know we're very conditioned in the online space to like well you need to be earning more every year or you know you need to be making six figures or you like whatever the thing is and actually some people are quite happy at the income level that they're at maybe they'd like to free up some more time or Mm -hmm. you know whatever the thing is but it's not always growth for growth's sake just because that's what other people are, are doing or talking about and yeah, I think that's an important thing as well. Like your business gets to be what you want. <laughs> like for most of last year I worked realistically, probably six days a month. Like I had health stuff going on. Like I couldn't show up five days a week, three weeks a month, like I had the year before. And that's fine. That was a that was a season of of what I needed. But if I'd have been subscribed to the oh, it has to be like this, I would have just like burnt myself out. Yeah. Yeah. And What's the point of doing it if you're miserable <laughs> exactly and tired and <laughs> and also having the capacity for you know I would rather serve my current clients really, really well than absolutely mm. exhaust myself to like go out and find a bunch of new clients and then just be like, I'm exhausted and now I have more clients
1: for sure. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I had in the design business that I brought into coaching, like thankfully, but also you know it did bring some some things I had to work through as well. Some like fears of, of re- repeating that cycle. But in the design business, when it really started blowing up, I was doing the retainer type work and I just wouldn't say no. I had actually been booked out basically since I had started the retainer work, but I still just never said no. I was like more, more, I can have more, more people want to pay me. And it was a really dangerous cycle that led to <laughs> kind of a like, you know, I I picture like, just like shoving all the papers off the desk kind of moment of like, this is not working. This is too much. As a service provider as well, which, you know, a lot of my clients
0: are done for you service providers. Mm -hmm. I think you can, it can be quite abstract to map out a capacity Mm -hmm. and see what it's going to be like. So if people are like, Oh, I want to hire you. And you're like, yeah, I can take another client. And then it's, like six weeks down the line when you're delivering on all of the retainer work that you're like, oh, I'm literally like head in the laptop constantly. But it, I just feel like it can be quite hard to visualize and to actually see what capacity is for a lot of done-for-you service providers until you've gone past capacity and then you're like, oh, this is too much.
1: Right, right. Until you're like, I can't handle this. I. That's actually like with clients who are making... Like just like a like a signature offer, like a thing that I do, like a branding package or a website copywriting package. That's something that we talk about quite a bit. Like what would it look like? How long does it take you to do this? When can clients overlap? When can't they overlap? Like, can you go in your Google Calendar and put like I start with new client every third Monday and and then and then hold that boundary? And that's like the really hard part because people are scared to say, I can start with you in three weeks because they're afraid they're gonna lose the money. And that's like a really big for for clients who are 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 just really starting to create that and step into that, that's a really big, both mindset and strategic kind of thing that we're mapping out. What is your actual capacity? How much can you actually do? How much do you want to do? And does your package and your prices reflect the ability to do that and still pay yourself well?
0: It's Usually. so true. I had a wonderful client who was a copywriter and she was really worried because she was booked out like three months in advance because she was great and she had so many referrals. And she didn't want to put on her Instagram, like now taking clients in September or whatever, because she felt this like, oh, but what if people look and what if they they don't want to? But she, you know, she didn't have the capacity and she wanted to take some time off in the summer. But from the flip side, as, you know, an ideal client of hers, I was like, but if I contacted a copywriter and they were like, yeah, I can start tomorrow, that would be a huge red flag because I know that the really great copywriters get booked
1: up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, I mean, it's. It's in the same mentality. I was just talking about this with someone. It's the same mentality of like, when I see something, you know, when I see an Instagram ad, and this is no no shade at, at these types of offers or anything like that. But when I see an Instagram ad for something that seems, that seems robust for like $27, my mind isn't, oh, $27, great. My mind at this point is like, I think I'd rather pay more and know that it's something valuable. <laughs> and again, that maybe sounds a little shady. I do know that people make beautiful twenty-seven-dollar offers. I have offered things for twenty-seven dollars before, but like my—that's how my mentality has shifted over the years. In the past, I would just scoop them all up and I wouldn't use them and I wouldn't go through them and I wouldn't get anything out of them because of, because of me mostly because I just would buy too many of them. But now I'm like, I think I'd rather invest a little more and like show up for it and do the work and get the things out of it. That has been a journey for me with my own pricing for
0: a long time. And at one point I had a a one-on-one coach and then I was also working through my consultant certification. So we got coaching from Gemma who ran the certification Mm -hmm. and both of these coaches were like, you need to raise your prices because two reasons. A, there are so many overinflated prices in the coaching industry that mm-hmm. you're trying to charge a fair price but it the gap is too big for your experience and you know certifications all of this but also you know and this and it, this was a fair point and it's like to what you said it's this people don't trust it if it's too low and especially if you have a good brand and they were like you have a great podcast and you have this and you've got like and then if people look at the price and it's too low it, it there's a disjoint and they don't trust it and I'm like no, that's it. and then I'm like, no, that's true, actually. That's yeah. exactly the kind of thing I would do. And that's what you just described. When we see something, it looks great and then it's cheap. It's like, oh, well, it can't be very good
1: then. Like how how I that? That. it's so I mean, I was just talking Will and I were talking about it in a different context. And I was like, I don't I can't give you this advice because I'm thinking as an online business owner, you know, very much in my my space, but he was applying for a new job and he was like not unsure what's safe in salary requirements he had no idea. What they were thinking, and what he said to me sounded a little low for the little bit of research that I had done on that field and Charleston and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, "Well, you don't want to come in too low." And he was like, "Well, I'd rather come in too low than too high." And I was like, "I fully disagree with you," <laughs> but I was like, "But like, you know, you do you. Like, this is an industry that you know more about than I do." But like, and then I basically said, you know, these examples to him, and he was like, "I guess that does kind of make sense." So I was like, "There's a reason that." You, and again, this is no shade, but like he refuses to step foot into a Walmart. He will go to any other store besides. He really freaking hates going into Walmart. He always has a bad experience. Something, something in in his defense, something wild always happens to him when he goes into Walmart. So like he has a lot of evidence. But like I'm like, there's a reason that you would rather go get like batteries or whatever from Target or what. Like, and it's it's that same thing. Like you don't you don't want to be the cheapest. That That's, has a connotation.
0: It's so true. And I think so many people do that with clothing and, you know, they would be like, well, I don't want to buy like bargain basement clothing Mm -hmm. because there's a connotation with it. But then with a service provider, again, you know, it's a similar thing. If someone quoted me, I don't know, to design my website and it was like crazy cheap, that would set alarm bells off. Yeah. And I isn't it interesting our psychology
1: around it? I... I had co- I could keep talking about this. Do you want me to keep talking about this? Yes. <laughs> I had a conversation with a member in the in the East group just last week, and we were talking about pricing for her. She's moving into coaching pricing for that, and we were discussing something. And I was like, "Look, there's also this other thing at play in coaching and in pricing." And I was like, "I've been on the receiving end of someone offering me coaching." At like a cut rate because they knew me and they knew my business and they offered me a discount and I took it. And it was one of the first one-on-one coaches that I'd worked with. And it was great. She's great. A phenomenal coach. The mentality that that put me in was, I know that I'm her cheapest client. like I know I'm paying her the least. Therefore, I don't want to bring a lot of stuff to her. I don't want to bother her. I don't want to... like, I don't want to be the most annoying client. I don't want to fulfill that stereotype of like, it's easy you know in the design world the a $50 client is more work than a $500 client which is more work than a $5000 client i don't want to be the $50 client that is like so freaking annoying and so the dynamic was weird and i didn't get a lot out of the container not because of her like she was super willing to coach me but i just felt like i wasn't investing enough to to use it and there's obviously tons of mindset stuff there but I was saying to her, I was like, that's the same. Like there is that dynamic. When when I'm investing thousands of dollars a month with my coach now, I will bother the sh- out of her. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm paying for this. I'm here, I'm investing. Like this is, I feel like I'm allowed to use this space appropriately. And so I was kind of telling her like, when you're, to me, there's this, there's this correlation between the price and like the depth. And I noticed that the higher my prices go, the deeper my clients are willing to go. And- whether there's a ton of mindset stuff with that or whatever, like at the end of the day, that just seems to be the experience that I've had. And I like going really deep with my clients. And I think that's where the magic really is. And so if I have to have a rate that helps them feel ready to go to those depths and calls them into that level, then I'm going to do that.
0: I'm going to totally steal this from my friend, Megan Yelaney, who was a podcast guest last year. She Mm. says that investments should be a stretch, but not a stress. Which I love because I think for our nervous system, like nobody wants to be investing in a coach and going. I now can't afford to eat or pay my rent, but I I do agree. Like I've made investments in things that have been like easy investments. I'm going to say like like you say like twenty seven dollars or or whatever, and we don't place the value on it in the same way. And then when I invested like for six months with a one on one coach, and I was like, okay, this is like I'm getting serious now. This is This is it. And, you know, that's the coach that I worked with for the long term and have had the most incredible results because I had decided I was like, well, if I'm spending this money, I'm I'm making it happen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was the same feeling I had when I invested to work for a year with someone last summer. Not that I ever really saw myself as like getting out of this, but suddenly I was like, I just committed for a year. So like this business better be here in a year. And not that there had ever actually consciously been a doubt that it wouldn't be. But suddenly I was like, oh, like this is a commitment. I'm showing how committed I am to my business and the growth and the potential. And, and it's, it's played out that way in, in my success since. I love it. I could talk to you all day. I'm sure we could talk about many other things, but rather... <laughs>
0: you'll have to come back um okay. because otherwise otherwise my audience will be like what like a three-hour episode will be like <laughs> tim ferris which you know i do love a, a long in-depth podcast but yeah me too e- equally yeah. it's not like we're ever going to be shy of things to talk about
1: if you come i back. know i can't believe i've actually just looked at the time because i had like the running thing and i you could have told me it had been 15 minutes <laughs> I not realize it had been this long just
0: but listeners for context, our first ever virtual coffee, I had my scheduler set at 20 minutes and we went for an hour. And then the second, the second one, I think we were like an hour and 15 minutes or something. And both times Caitlin was like, oh, like, no, like I've gone way over. And I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. But, but we, we have other people to consider here. So I will I will bring it to a close. But thank you so much. Before you go. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that could be helpful okay. to my audience. So, firstly, what book would you recommend to anyone listening that you think could have a huge impact on their ability to grow their business successfully?
1: Mm, my favorite go to book is Essentialism by Greg McCown. I that was the book I read it in 2018, and that was the book that helped me realize how much I was doing that didn't actually matter and really helped me kind of cold turkey, quit a lot of things in my business and my, in, my income grew because of that. And so like, that's part of like, you know, when I talk about my business story, like that's a really pivotal moment for me of like, you know, I closed the Facebook group and I stopped sending the random emails to the newsletter that was not generating clients. And I just like basically cut everything off and then started to build back more intentionally. And I don't think I would have had that, that realization without reading that book of just how how much I was doing that didn't matter. <laughs> And so I recommend it because I think it's really easy in the online space to just get inundated, like we were saying, with more, more, more. And I think it's good to have this check-in for like, can we pull back to what is actually matter, like what actually matters and what is actually moving us towards our goals and desires. It's a great book. I have it in my second photo shoot I ever
0: did. There is, there's a picture of me. You might see it randomly pop up on Instagram and I've sat on my sofa reading that book. It's such a, it really appeals to the minimalist in me. And that kind of optimizing what we've got versus just adding more and more things.
1: Yeah, it speaks to that for me. And it speaks to like just efficiency in general, which just to talk about human design for a second, you know, kind of is the projector like way, right? Like, can this be more efficient? Can this be more simple? Can this be more easy? And so that really appealed to me. And that was before I even knew anything about human design. And I was like. <laughs> well I'm going to drop that in the show notes
0: for anyone that wants to read, and yeah, I would definitely recommend that one too. And last question before we wrap up: What would you say is the biggest mindset shift or reframe that you have had yourself that has enabled you to get to where you are today?
1: Mm, this is such a good question. Oh, okay. So the biggest—it's not—it's not super condensed, but it's—it's it's good. Uh, let me try to put it in like a nice sentence the biggest thing that will help you move towards what you want is how you see yourself every every like milestone that i've hit every kind of rapid up level that i've experienced has been because something happened that changed how i saw myself immediately whether it be from i'm a freelancer who don't doesn't know what they're doing and figuring things out to i'm a business owner and then again from you know i'm a designer to a coach or business owner to i'm running a company i'm a ceo like those When I started to see myself like that, everything changed and everything changed pretty quickly, which is a really cool experience. And so I guess to put it in a nice little sentence, like how you see yourself is the most important work you can really do, I think. I kind of wish this was a
0: video podcast now, because when I asked you that question and you went, oh, this is such a great question, you literally like straightened up and you were like, (laughs) oh, I I can feel the enthusiasm for your answer. And it's a great answer. Like the identity that we give ourselves is... The foundation for everything. And I think that the whole like CEO mindset thing can be a little bit overused in the online space, but equally the distinction between I'm a
1: coach or I'm the CEO of a coaching business can be huge energetically. Oh, and I mean, not only huge for like just how you operate, how you make decisions, but also for the separation that you give yourself. We didn't really talk about this. This will be on future <laughs> this will be on round two. <laughs> yeah. But just this idea of like, you know, having a level of detachment, of healthy detachment, right? If something goes wrong in the business one day, an email gets sent out that's all the links are broken and the subject line is ruined. It means nothing about me as a human. This is a business thing that I can fix as a business owner, as a CEO. And Caitlin, the human is fine, <laughs> is great, is thriving, is happy, is not you know thrown into dysregulation over it. You know. Yeah. I
0: think it's that distinction between, oh, a mistake was made in the business versus I am a terrible failure and you know, everything is on fire every, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I need to burn everything down but yeah. you know our brain wants to take us to sometimes but that is a great example so thank you thank you for your time
1: yeah this is so
0: fun I'm going to pop out all of your details in the show notes so if anyone wants to go and connect with Caitlin you'll be able to find her so good thank you for having me Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ambitious Introvert Podcast with me, Emma-Louise Parks. If you enjoy this show, please, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. As a thank you, one lucky reviewer each month will win a 60-minute one-on-one coaching session with me, where you'll get the clarity and confidence to attract your ideal clients. And if you know someone who could benefit from listening to the show, then please do share and help me reach as many fellow ambitious introverts as possible.